With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I left the city, I've been proud. Treading water that they drown. I head on a swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Episode 33 of the Smash Accept Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Dad FF. And as part of our tradition we've been doing over our off-season program here, we have a fantastic guest. But before we get to her, I'm going to introduce my co-host, you know, the man who's on here every weekend, week out, the man, the myth, Mung the Legend. How you doing? Hey, how's everybody doing tonight? Uh, I'm pretty pumped because we're just a few weeks away from the start of free agency, so... I'm pumping out some articles over at Fantrax if you guys want to check that out. And, you know, I'm excited to kind of just listen. You know, I talk a lot on this show, but uh, I am not very experienced with Debbie at all. Um, I don't really watch college, so I'm psyched to just hear Katie and, you know, talk about some of the incoming classes and just, you know, how she kind of scouts these players before they ever even step on the NFL field. You stole some of my thunder of my like grandiose, you know, entertaining introduction here. But yeah, she's the, the ho- co-host of Under the Helmet, Off the Rails podcast, known as the Diva of Devi, and makes a fantastic avocado, avocado salad. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Katie Flowers to the show. Ah, here we go. Let's go. Thank you guys for having me join you. Looking We're super We're super excited to have you on. You know, Mung and I, we're, we just finished up. Our Smash Accept Listener League, um, you know, our, our podcast Listener League, and it's 14 team super flex. And I saw people throwing around 2022 picks like they were candy. And I'm seeing it in the whole offseason of people just, well, that pick might be worth less than, than a first. It's worth a second to me. So I'm just going to push that and try to move myself up several rounds and, and do some things like that. And I started thinking, we really need to teach and show the community and show people that are listeners what the 2022 class has to offer. I mean, I feel like we do this year in and year out. We say, well, that for that first round draft pick isn't for two years. So what does it really matter to my team? And I think we need to totally educate ourselves. We need to realize what that has to do because we just saw what that 2020 class had. And if you weren't educating yourself and in 2019, you started trading off 2020 picks. Hopefully you didn't. You missed out on a phenomenal class and you missed out on some, some big time players. Um, first, Katie, Right now, what is your overall like rookie draft philosophy? I mean, and how has it changed over the years? I first started playing Dynasty in 2014, and then there was that boom at wide receiver. And then recently we've had, you know, obviously the more of a transition towards the running backs early part in the draft. But what's your overall draft philosophy when you're going into the season? I started uh, redraft fantasy football in 2012, and I started Dynasty in 2014. I started Devi in 2015 because I got hooked on dynasty. Absolutely love it. And one of the things that I love about being in Debbie leagues, it really helps prep you for your rookie drafts. And what I say, as far as 
rookie drafts go draft best player available. I don't care about position. A lot of people are like, yeah, well, this class has a lot of wide receivers and I really need running backs. And, and so I'm just going to trade for next year's or trade for something else and just get out of this class. And if that's your philosophy, that's fine. And if people are willing to send you next year's draft picks for seconds, smash accept that because Ooh, she used it right there. All right. Yeah. I love it. Um, because that's where you get value. And I am all about getting the best player available so that I've got assets on my team that if I want to flip them for a veteran or whatever, I can do that. You want a portfolio of players that are going to rise in value and not decline in value. And so future rookie picks, what are they going to do? Have you ever seen a future rookie pick, even in a bad class, have you ever seen a rookie pick decrease in value? No. Right about now until May or whenever your rookie draft is, those picks are just going to rise and rise. So my philosophy when it comes to rookie drafts, I look at all the players available. Draft capital is big, but I have to believe in the player and not just go with the crowd. I'm going to take my guy if I can't trade out of the spot. If I don't like the particular player that's best player available and I can't trade, I still want to take the best player available. Yeah. No and, matter and, what position. And trade for need. Later on, you trade for need. Exactly. I, I keep hearing people, even in, in rebuilding process, say, hey, I want to move up or I want to, I want to trade for certain players. And I'm like, value is in the picks. The picks are fluid. They're only going to increase. Do not trade them now. You know, wait till we get closer. The value will have no more than when you're on the clock. When you're on the clock, everybody wants in there. And that's when they, they really come after you. And that's where you can really accumulate some value. Um, over the years, I mean, obviously in 2014, we, we had an overcorrection at wide receiver. And then 2017 and 2020 was such a special class. Are, are you seeing or do you, do you sense in the community that we're having an overcorrection of people really trying to buy heavily on the rookie picks when, you know, the 2021 class is nice, but it's not the 2020 class? Well, it, it depends. It's a very nice class in and of itself. It's just not deep at, at running back. It's got a lot of wide receivers, top end wide receivers yeah. and depth at wide receivers. It's got some decent tight ends. Last year, there were it was a desert for tight ends. This year, there's three guys, maybe a fourth guy that may come on later as a sleeper type guy. And then if it's super flex, your quarterbacks are very strong this year, and it helps make the depth of this class. So last year's class was special with a lot of really good top end running backs and some very quality wide receivers and still guys that haven't broken out yet that will and guys that people are under, you know, they're underselling now because they're not patient. And that's the thing in Dynasty and in Devi, you have got to be patient. If you're not a patient owner, then no, it doesn't make any sense. You might as well trade your picks for candy. You might as well give me your money now. And in December, when everybody else is collecting money, just, you know, sorry, I can't buy you a Christmas present because I went broke on fantasy football. I love it. Mung, Mung and I have been talking for a while here, and I know he had some questions of, of how, you know, how, how you get into Debbie and what you guys, what you would say to people that are going in there. So, Mung, why don't you hit her up with what you had there? Yeah, I mean, really, you know, Mike and I are pretty seasoned dynasty players, but when it comes to Debbie, I know very little. Um, why don't you just kind of like sell us and maybe some of the listeners who 
have never played that format because personally, I don't even know how like the rookie drafts or the Debbie drafts work. Cause obviously some of those college players are already on rosters, but you know, do you even have a separate rookie and, you know, college draft and what's the timing of that? So it, it really varies from league to league, but first of all, Debbie stands for developmental, which means you can draft any kid in college. Most leagues allow you to draft any kid that has declared as long as they are incoming freshmen, you can draft anybody from incoming freshmen until they, anybody that has not declared for this year's NFL draft. And what I like about it, you can have leagues where there's only one pick per person, one Debbie player per person, and it's kept as a separate draft. And they hold that draft in February after the declarations of who's going to the NFL so that you know. And then you have your rookie draft in May or June or whenever you normally would have a rookie draft. And it's only depleted by possibly a half dozen guys and therefore the rookie picks keep their value. The Debbie picks keep their value. Everybody's happy, hunky-dory. And it's kind of like tipping your toe into the Debbie pool. And some t- some leagues have a separate taxi squad where you can have 30 players deep on your taxi squad. I'm in some very deep Debbie leagues. And I friggin' love it because I'm the kind of person that wants to load that taxi squad straight to the gill to have an incoming constant flow of talent, Debbie's very risky. It is highly risky because players that you think are great when they're freshmen, they look awesome. Sometimes they get injured. Sometimes they never get off top dead center. They, you know, there's another couple guys in, in front of them on the depth chart and they never quite win that starting job or they transfer and then they don't like their coach or they get into trouble. They're, you know, throwing frisbees in the dorm or shooting BB guns, shooting lights out with a BB gun and, and get busted and stuff like that. So, and trying to peg talent from a huge, huge college pool. Think of rookies and how hard it is to hit with such a small, finite number of guys with college football, you've got the whole landscape, not just power five, but you've got the smaller schools. There's always somebody, even in super flex Debbie drafts, where you can draft all the quarterbacks in all of college football. Somebody still always falls through the crack. And this year, Zach Wilson and Trey Lance in a lot of Debbie leagues have fallen through the cracks and they'll be tops in rookie drafts. And last year, Joe Burrow fell through the cracks. The year before, you know, it's been Carson Wentz. It's been uh, Josh Allen. You know, guys that are now very good quarterbacks have fallen through the Debbie cracks. Even Patrick Mahomes was not a big Debbie name. He was a three-star recruit out of and playing at Texas Tech. Nobody really even looked at him in Debbie unless you were in the deepest, deepest of leagues. And so it's so much fun. Anybody that loves college football, that watches a lot of college football like I do, it adds and enhances your NFL dynasty experience. The ability to trade assets. And um, sometimes you do have a combined draft. In those deeper leagues, in order to maintain the rookie draft being uh, valuable, a combined where you can pick either a rookie or a Debbie when you're on the clock. Some leagues limit to 72 total in the league. You may have 36 from the year before that are still in on rosters. That means in the draft, when you hit 36 more, whoever that last one is, it could be the fourth round, it could be the fifth round, or whenever it is, 
that's it. Now you can only pick rookies or free agents. So there's a lot of different varieties, a lot of depths of taxi squads, some Debbie leagues, you got to put the Debbie players right on your active roster. And so then it kind of squeezes you. How much do you want to invest in high risky picks that are going to take up roster spots versus how much do you want to have players that can help you win now? And there's a lot of strategy and I'm a big strategist. That's why I love this game. For me, it's, all about the strategy. Yeah, I mean, it sounds dynasties like that that gateway to something you're even talking about that's even more, you know, just out there for, for some of our listeners. You know, we, we try to cater to a lot of people that are just switching from, from just redraft to dynasty. And they're like, wow, there's so much more involved, you know, with rookie picks and things like that. But then when you dive into Debbie, it's like just seems like so much more is out there. You originally got in because you were more of a college football fan or you were just trying to test yourself to the next level? <sighs> I think it was once I once I learned about Dynasty, I knew that was for me more than redraft. And I wanted to explore the different formats. And when I saw it, it was just immediately it's like, OK, let's go. The first league I joined was pick one Debbie player. But I'm a, not really an addictive personality. But when it comes to something that I love, the way that I feel is once you have the knowledge of the players, it's a waste to only have one team. You really need to invest in other teams in order to really help. And then it, and then it kind of helps offset the amount of extra time that you're going to spend on researching. So I'm in about 30 leagues right now. Not all of them are Debbie. Um, Some of them are best ball. So I don't have to start lineups, but I was at one point up to about 50 and that did get to be too many. So I had to back off Um, Now with COVID uh, being a COVID year, I had more time to do things that I wanted to fantasy football wise. And I didn't feel like I felt like 30 was, was a good amount. I like to add one or two startups each year. The other thing about Debbie, and it's the same with dynasty. You mentioned people already trading next year's picks. They're throwing them away like candy. They do that even more in Debbie. They look at a six round pick a six round college pick and they think, Oh, this is nothing. Anything from that's not a first round, second round on they'll, they'll add four picks to a deal in a trade just to make the trade. And those, the way that I look at Debbie is like Steph Curry hitting a three. You can hit from anywhere. And that's been a phrase that I've said for, you know, six years now. And it's true. I got Jerry Judy in the sixth round of a deeper Debbie league in the sixth round because I liked his profile and you can get guys like Cooper cup or Kareem hunt. If you dig deeper and go, go behind the scenes, instead of taking somebody else's rankings and just saying, okay, I, I only like these top 12 because this is what everybody's talking about. You know, these guys are the highest touted players. Find the next one, watch a little bit of film, do a little bit of, of have fun, grab a beer and watch some film. And where are you, uh, where are you finding like the high school film for those incoming freshmen and, you know, kind of what resources do you even use for that? Cause I wouldn't even yeah, know where so to start. Two, four, seven and rivals have some film and I watch the high school all American game. I record that. Um, there's several websites where you can just Google the name of a player. Once you see the rankings and, and, uh, 24, seven and rivals have class rankings, you know, even into junior high school right now, if you really wanted to go down and and take a look at that.
but they'll give you the rankings, who's a five-star, who's a four-star, and then you start there, and then you just start Googling names and looking for film and finding YouTube. I mean, everybody's got film somewhere. Katie, I'm going to give you a heads up on that 2030 class. I got yeah. My son's a stud running back, all right? I'm just letting you know he's going to be breaking into it, you know, and then I'll give you the inside scoop. Maybe I'll all be right. Maybe I'll be in one of your leagues by that time because I, I'm excited to – I listen to you on Under the Helmet and talk about what kind of passion you have for the college game and, and for Dynasty in general. And it's just like for our listeners that are out there that are in one Dynasty league, add another. The more value you get, the more time you put into this, diversifying and getting multiple teams is just so much more fun and exciting. You know, when I first started, I had 10 redraft leagues. And, and then I started my first Dynasty. And – Tim Smith got me into it. It was a writer's league. I won year one. And then I was like, yo, I like this, right? I get to keep my team. And then I, now I'm down to one redraft league. It's my home league. And now I'm up to 14 dynasties because it's so much fun. You get to interact with so many different people. And, you know, that's just something that I suggest. And if you guys are looking for leagues, you know, hit Mung or myself up and we can help get you into leagues with people that are kind of in the same boat as you. And that's why we really try to do that with our listener league is put some of those guys in there, give you guys some of our insight, be able to talk to us and just have some fun. So right now, obviously our, all of our listeners are preparing for their rookie drafts, you know, and we train our listeners to always be looking for trades. We, we encourage that we are a trade podcast, you know, so we say go out in every one of your leagues and, you know, make an offer once a week or, or every other week and try to keep things moving and be that way. Right now, considering the 2020 picks, how does the 2022 class compare to this current class, you know, position by position? What are we looking at? A lot of people say, you know, this class is a lot of wide receivers, not a lot of running backs, some solid tight ends. But what do we have looking forward to 2022 in comparison? Okay, so 2022 has two running backs right off the top that are going to be studs. And I think uh, the NFL does not value running backs as much as we do on our fantasy team. That being said, if there's one or two that make it to the first round of next year's draft, that would that would be amazing. This year's class, I mean, uh, the 2020 class had five running backs go in the second round of the NFL draft. And that is for a wide receiver. Round one is the round. Running back, if you get drafted in round two, that's saying that you're a starter. That's saying we have faith in you. If you get drafted in round one as a running back, especially really high like Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, that tells you that they think that you're elite. You don't have to be elite to be a good fantasy running back, but you do have to be a starter or part of a committee, and you either have to have one of two traits. You either need to be the bell cow, the guy that's going to be handling most of the carries for the team, or you need to be a home run hitter of some kind. And in PPR, that means somebody that can receive the football, that can carry the football and be that 1B to somebody's 1A and still get enough juice to put up, you know, 10 to 15 fantasy points with a ceiling that's much higher. And with an injury, maybe even be that guy for a short period of time. But that's what you're looking for. And so next year, there's two right off the top, Isaiah Spiller and Brees Hall. They're both really good running backs, and they both have pass-catching abilities. I think that they could both – they've got the size, they've got the speed, and they've put up two good years. Their freshman and sophomore years have both been productive. They could be 
three down running backs in the NFL. And then outside of that, you got guys like Zamir White from Georgia who had an injury. He went back. Everybody thought he was going to come out this year. He stayed for an extra year. He was the number one running back in Debbie coming off the board two years ago. But because of injuries, he really hasn't gone and, and risen like some of the others. But he's got the size. He's six foot tall, 215, which is a good size for a running back going into the NFL. He's got speed. He's got hands. And uh, Master Teague out of Ohio State, we saw what he could do. Um, I think he, again, he's right in that six foot uh, 225 zone. Then you got guys that have been highly recruited. They were five-star, but either because of injury or some other circumstance, John Emery from LSU and Trey Sanders from Alabama, they both have got juice, big time juice. They just haven't had the production and running backs don't need four years of production like wide receivers. You look at guys like Antonio Gibson and Alvin Kamara, they were not very productive in college for whatever reason or another, and they've done just fine in the pros. So if John Emery and or Trey Sanders has a good season, that's all it's going to take. And then behind that, you've got another bunch of guys. You got guys like Kevin Harris out of South Carolina. He's five foot uh, 10, 225, and very productive as well, both catching and running the football. Zach Charbonnet just transferred from Michigan to UCLA. So I'm, I'm just Right now, there's about eight guys, and they're all over 200 pounds. When you get a running back class that's 175 pounds and that's the best guy, that's really pretty lame. But I'm looking forward to next year's class. I think the running backs, and if that's if they all come back, there's always some that's that will stay in school. But the guys that could come out, and then that's not even mentioning Eric Gray, who just transferred to Oklahoma from Tennessee. He's got some potential to rise up. Kyron Williams out of Notre Dame. Uh, James Cook, another one out of Georgia. That's Dalvin Cook's younger brother. Um, so I think next year's running back class is going to be sneaky good and could be really good. The wide receivers for next year, I think uh, this year we're going to have about five or six that make it to the first round of the NFL draft. That's really good. And that's back-to-back -back years. We had six in last year. Uh, last year's first round, we had seven in the second round. So 13 wide receivers last year went in the first two rounds. It is getting to be a saturated market. And with this year's free agency, you got guys like Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin. There's going to be some merry-go-round with the, with the players. But looking forward, uh, you know, there's four big names. David Bell out of Purdue. He's 6'2", 205, and, uh, you know, people like Rondell Moore, I've been a David Bell stand for a long time already. Uh, George Pickens is a mean, tough dude out of Georgia, six foot three, 200 pounds. I call him Slim Pickens, though. He needs to put on a little bit of his man weight, but he can throw people around, and he's just nasty. Uh, Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State is another one, and Traylon Burks, he's really climbing up the ranks, and you know who he plays for? Wu-Pig Sui, my Razorbacks. And it's the first time I, I've been saying it for the, to Chad for the last couple of years. It's the first time that Arkansas has had two wide receivers that are over six foot two that actually are four-star athletes that can catch the ball and, and are pretty fast. And Traylon Burks 
is he's got 10 over 10 inch hands. I think he's got 11 inch hands and he had to have custom gloves made for him. So watch out for him this year. And Justin Ross is coming off of a bad uh, congenitive neck injury. Well, it was from birth. So he just had surgery to correct the uh, flaw in his neck. But same guy that did the work on Mike Williams, and he's going to be back at Clemson this year. So Chris Olave went back to school for Ohio State. Jaden Hazelwood out of, out of Oklahoma. Uh, Drake London, not much buzz on him yet, but he's USC, and he's a big dude. He reminds me a lot of Mike Evans, if you watch his frame. So I think next year is going to be good, both running back and wide receiver. I don't think you should be selling picks at a discount, and if somebody wants to sell a pick at a discount, like I said earlier – do it. Buy it. Rookie picks do not go down in value. You don't have to assign a name to them. You've yeah. got that pick, and especially if the guy blows up his team and it ends up a really good 101-102, that is so bonus. Yeah, I know. I, I heard you talk about it in our group chat the other day, Mung, is, is sometimes people make those trades and they, and they buy a, a 2021 first, or in this case, a 2022 first, and you say, well, that guy's a contender. But we don't know what that roster is going to look like in two years. And so now you you projected that as a late first. Now all of a sudden that becomes a mid first and you want out big time. You know, I hear a lot of analysts and I'll let both of you guys talk about this. We'll start with you, Mung. But I hear a lot of analysts say, well, you know, that that first round pick two years out is worth, you know, a mid second. And to me, it's still worth a first round pick. I just feel like as a whole, I'm hearing a lot of people pushing, saying that that pick isn't worth a true first Mung, I mean, how do you value your rookie picks, and and is that something that you've seen out there? Yeah, I think that's the general consensus that future picks don't hold, you know, the exact value, and I understand why. And to an extent, it definitely makes sense because of the opportunity cost, right? You're holding these picks for that period of time, but they will eventually gain value. So it's really subjective as to, you know, at what point do you trade a future first for a pick on the clock, right? Whether it's 2.01 or 2.03. And really it comes down to, for me, whether you think that the player that you're targeting there is going to increase in value by that much. Because at the end of the day, it's going to depend on how they perform this season. We've seen guys like Nikhil Harry, who is worth, what, a third round rookie pick now? Uh, but then last year, if you traded a future first for a guy like Cam Akers or Antonio Gibson, even um, if you traded that first in that mid second round where Gibson was falling, then clearly you're happy. Uh, so it's a targeted risk. And it's just kind of a lot really depends on your team's roster contending versus rebuilding. And then also how much you believe in that player. Yeah, and a lot of times you can make out on that if you are rebuilding, right? So you make an offer. Two years ago, I offered Russell Wilson for Kyler Murray, his rookie year, and a first. And the guy's like, well, it's a late first, and Russell Wilson's going to have a great year. And then I got Kyler Murray, and now that pick in 2022 is going to be Justin Fields because it's the 102. You know, And that's how you totally just redo your team, where you make what we talk about on here all the time is insulated risks, right? You trade a player for a player and a pick. And a lot of times those picks end up being worth a lot more than what you anticipated. Yeah, and here's the thing. You know, right now in the offseason, it's not really worthwhile to project these picks to a certain extent, right? By September, October, I'm projecting early to mid in terms of where these picks might fall. But right now, you know, I have, I've had rosters with Saquon Barkley last year, George Kittle, guys who just got injured. 
you know, you don't know where these firsts are going to end up this early in the offseason. That's something you start to project, you know, early season and even mid-season a lot can still change. Absolutely. Mung, I don't want to steal your uh, question here on breakout rate age, so I'll let you shoot on that one as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, So, Katie, I mean, a lot of times we hear about these wide receivers coming out, and we're talking about breakout age, right? But we don't really hear that about running backs. And you mentioned a couple minutes ago that, you know, running backs really only need that one-year productivity to really shoot up draft boards. Uh, You know, kind of why is that? Is there a reason you think the age doesn't quite matter as much for running backs? Well, yeah, because you have Harris coming out, and Harris is 23, which is, you know, a little bit on the Mm -hmm. older side, but he's still – right. So I I understand what you're saying there. Go ahead, Katie. Yeah, so in in, let's use uh, Najee Harris as an example. He was a five-star recruit at Alabama. Who was there at Alabama when he first came on? You know, you got Damian Harris. You had – I'm drawing a blank right now – Derrick Henry, you had you had all kinds of guys in front of them because it's a pipeline program. What matters most for running backs, in my opinion, is for them, when you say five-star recruit, that holds water. Uh, it holds weight with running backs compared to uh, any other position. It does not matter a bit for quarterbacks, and I know we'll get into that shortly. I hope that we will get into that and address that. Yeah. Uh, with wide receivers, not a lot. Did you know that Devontae Adams was a three-star wide receiver at Fresno State? Some of the guys that are three-star or four-star never went to the camps, and but yet they've got the physical attributes, or maybe their grades weren't good enough for them uh, to get into college, you know, or to, to uh, be able to participate in all the extracurricular football activities. Some had to work in order to help their family and they didn't get noticed. And so there's a lot of wide receivers that can rise up the board more so with running backs, Uh, running back like Alvin Kamara. He was a five-star guy recruited at Alabama ended up not get, getting the playing time. He was buried on the depth chart, went to Tennessee, still couldn't get the playing time behind Jalen Hurd, who is now with San Francisco, kind of a Swiss Army knife type guy. But you scratch your head. Why didn't he get playing time? You look at him now. He's really talented. So as long as they put together some sort of production, but more so they have those athletic traits. They've got the size. They can cut they've got vision, they've got functional power, functional speed. Those are the kinds of things that matter when in, in the NFL when it comes to, you know, it's kind of like the lunch pail type job. It isn't always sexy. You're going to be the guy that's pounding the rock, um, but you can also look like a hero if you've got track speed and, you know, any other gifts that go with it. Yeah, I mean, that position, it matters so much about being a five-star recruit, about being your your draft capital. And that's why all you know all season where people were like, what do I do with Cam Akers? It's like, you hold on to him. I mean, he was the number one recruit. He was, that, he was the guy in that class, just struggled a little bit at Florida State behind poor offensive line, poor quarterback play. And then I had a lot of people reaching out, and they're like, well, is that just translating to the NFL? I'm like, no, be patient. The talent is clearly there. That's a guy that you need to be buying, not selling. Um, the 21 – wide receiver class is looking pretty deep. 
Bad. But there's some exciting wide receivers like you talked about, Bell, Pickens, Wilson, and 22. How would you compare the two classes, and is there any Debbie standouts you know, that stand out to you more than the others? Like who is – compare the two classes a little bit. You know, If you had to say who's the best prospect out of those two we are right now. Every class is different. Wide receiver is so tough because a lot of that comes down to the college system that they're in. Um, the most translatable things when it comes to wide receivers, athleticism, route running, and hands. And I think that this year's class, by the time that next year's class comes in, I think um, I'm not sure that David Bell stacks up exactly like Jamar Chase. I think Jamar Chase is very special, but I think that uh, – David Bell, George Pickens, Justin Ross, Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, Drake London. I think there are going to be names that we all talk about as much in love with them as we are with Jalen Waddell and Rashad Bateman and Rondell Moore and uh, Devonta Smith and, and all these other guys. I don't know that there's a Jamar Chase in next year's class, but there's certainly a lot of good wide receivers that should go in the first round of the NFL and again, it's going to be all about opportunity because the market is starting to get a little bit saturated in just in the last couple of draft classes. We had 13 go in the first two rounds last year. We had nine go the year before. Um, I think next year we'll probably have four, maybe five go in round one and, and then another four or five go in round two. So it's decent. I don't know that it's going to be quite as deep as this class or last year, but it's shaping up. I like it. I love how you're talking about Jamar Chase. I've had arguments on here. We had Izzy Alcafaz on, and he was telling me right now, Dynasty Value, he'd he'd have him at the equivalent of, say, a Deontay Johnson. And I'm like, Jamar Chase's ceiling to me, is is elite. I mean, what he was able to do last year was phenomenal as, as a guy who was 19 years old. I mean, Jamar Chase has some serious upside in the NFL. Speak to our listeners a little bit more about him and kind of where you would be comfortable taking him in a super flex rookie draft. In a super flex rookie draft, I think people are going to be able to get a discount on him, especially if it's a super flex with tight end premium. I've done a lot of mock drafts. It's it's Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Kyle Pitts, and then Jamar Chase. So five or six, somewhere in there, and middle of the first. I don't care if it's super flat. And sometimes even Zach Wilson or Trey Lance gets in there, and then he goes for the seven or eight. Uh, I think that for as, as special as he will be, and I think he's going to be a top ten I'm I'm not sure if Miami takes him or if they trade back a little bit and then still take him, but I think he'll be a top 10 NFL receiver. And I think he's every bit the part. There's only one thing that concerns me about him, but I'm not that concerned. Yeah. I mean, a lot of mocks have him going to three to Miami and you get him in a situation where he's going to be that alpha right off the bat. And he could see a similar type workload to obviously what Justin Jefferson did. And it was, it was absolutely amazing to watch what those two guys did with Joe Burrow. But when I was watching the games, Jefferson impressed me, but Jamar Chase was like another world. Like it blew my mind. So I'm just yeah. super excited. I've been gushing about him all off season. I had to get that in there because you, you mentioned him. And then you mentioned 
you know, quarterbacks here. I mean, if you need a rookie quarterback in Superflex, it seems this is a good year to get your guy. I mean, obviously, Trevor Lawrence is going to be out of your price range. I mean, he's going Superflex startup right now, 106 to 108. I saw a mock yesterday. He went 101. Now, that's ridiculous. But, I mean, he, he is going first round in startups. And then the interesting thing is I've done three of them, and Fields, a.k.a. the 102, isn't going till you know, in that third round range. And, and so let's talk a little bit about Lawrence versus fields and talk about, you know, this class seems very, you know, I don't want to go hundred percent special, but it seems like a nice class to reload your super flex quarterbacks. Does 2022 have some, some nice juicy pieces that we should be looking at? 2022 does. And um, a lot of people right now think that Sam Howell out of North Carolina is the first quarterback off the board in next year's draft. And I like Sam Howell, but I disagree. I The number one guy in the country coming out next year will be Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma, in my opinion. He is just special. And a lot of people, they saw the QB1, and they think, well, he's just a little baby, uh, doesn't treat his teammates very well, and, and you know he's got some growing up to do. He's being coached right now by Lincoln Riley. And he got sacked this year which was the best thing for him. And then he came back even stronger and better than ever. You watch him. He's got the tools. He's He can flick his wrist and throw the ball 40 yards down the field on a dime, wherever he wants to. He can throw on the move. He can throw under pressure. He's accurate. He's smart. And his maturity problem is a different. His is just the way that he motivates his teammates is different from what people like or what they want to hear. He's in your face, yeah, but he's sincere about it. Compare him to Matt Corral. Who's just a jerk. He, he, he undresses his coaches on the sideline and throws his helmet and, and is a baby. If he doesn't get his way, that's something that's a red flag. I don't think that Spencer Rattler and his maturity issues if you want to call them issues are even close to the same realm and being coached by Lincoln Riley in a program that has all kinds of weapons showcasing this guy's talent I think he's going to be the number one guy off the board next year and then beyond those two you've got guys like Keaton Slovis who uh, took over for JT Daniels and had a kind of an off year this was a really strange year with COVID shortened and some came in, you know, at different times and things like that. But Keaton Slovis is a name that's been bandied about. And I think that there's some depth. JT Daniels is another one that should be the starter for Georgia next year. Um, Every class ends up with three or four guys. There's usually three or four, five that make it to round one of the NFL. But on average, only two per year for the last 20 years, actually make it and stick as a starter in the NFL. Yeah, we always kind of, we're always trying to project that next one, right? You know, we're trying yeah, to, I mean, we try to project like, all five of them right off the bat and it's not happening. It's, it's yeah. So for me, for Debbie, I avoid the quarterback position for the most part, even in super flex, unless I have a taxi squad that's already chuck full of running backs. And the reason is running backs are about a 35% hit rate. Quarterbacks are about a 6% hit rate. And if you want to spend all your money chasing that young quarterback, let me add 
to this, you know, everybody's like, well, what do you look for in a, in a Debbie quarterback? And that's just part of the problem is there isn't any particular trait. I've been studying for 20, you know, looking at the last 20 years, there's only been five quarterbacks that were the recruitment number one guy, five-star quarterback coming, entering college, only five in the last 21 years that were drafted in round one and only two that were drafted one overall. Vince Young, Mark Sanchez, Matt Stafford, Jameis Winston, and Josh Rosen. And Josh Rosen right now is holding a clipboard somewhere. Jameis Winston is hoping to get another opportunity to start somewhere. Matt Stafford is still around. Mark Sanchez had mm, an up and down uh, career. And Vince Young really didn't last that long. So it will be rare if Trevor Lawrence is the number one guy. And right now there's there's talk that Zach Wilson may be catching some uh, NFL coaches and general managers' eyes as the number one guy. Man, that would be a blasphemy if that happens. However, it's possible. Look what happened with Mitch Trubisky over Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. But who ended up the better fantasy and the better – uh, franchise type quarterback, not the number one pick, not Mitch Trubisky. In fact, they're still looking for a replacement for him right now in Chicago. So if Trevor Lawrence does go first overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars, that'll be the, the third in the last 21 years. That's a five-star that was number one in his class coming into college. And if Justin Fields is the second guy, no matter if it's number two or number three or wherever, if he's the second guy off the board, that's never happened. Back-to-back five-star. They were one and two coming into college, and that has not happened in the last 21 years. I don't know if they did recruiting beyond 21 years ago, but um, I'm just saying that would be a very rare and, – and it could easily – again, it could be Zach Wilson. It could be Trey Lance. It really depends on what that particular franchise is looking for. So don't waste your draft capital chasing rookies or – uh, Debbie, when it comes to quarterbacks, stack up on the unsexy Russell Wilson's. Russell Wilson's going round three of Superflex startup drafts right now for crying out loud. Aaron Rodgers could be got for almost, I wouldn't say nothing, but a lot less. Ryan Tannehill, yeah. unsexy Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins, unsexy Kirk Cousins. They got 10 more years, but you don't have to worry about the struggle. And unless you're going to put pay up the money for a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen, and and look at Baker Mayfield. After his rookie season, he was going in top five of Superflex startups. He's going round three, round four right now. Right. We get so excited oh. trying to get that new, new shiny, sexy toy, right? And in, in the first startup I did in the offseason, some guy really wanted to get into 106. He wanted to get Trevor Lawrence, so I traded him the 106 for the 204 and the 508, right? I ended up getting Dak Prescott and Aaron Rodgers with those two picks, you know, and like that's going to have to be something really special when it comes to Superflex for for Trevor Lawrence to reach that type of level. And I ended up getting two starting quarterbacks out of that. We got a question here from Bob Nixon, and you're going to have to help me out with this. The uh, thank you, exactly. That's exactly how I would have pronounced it, right on the nose. So if you want to take over on this question, it says, "Where would you rank DJ?" Say it again. Uyunglele. Exactly. Among the 2022 quarterbacks. So where does he rank for you? I would say he's probably two. I, I like him better than Sam Howell, but I need to see more of him. 
And, and again, I don't want people to think, well, she doesn't really like Sam Howell. Yes, I do. But quarterback is so hard, so hard. Um, a lot of it is opportunity. Now teams seem to not really stay as long with uh, the guy that they draft. They're more willing to kick him out the door early. Look at Sam Darnold three years in and the Jets are already looking to potentially take Justin Fields or somebody and uh, say goodbye. Sam Darnold was a high prospect. So it really doesn't matter what I think about Uyunglele. I do like him and I do, I would have him right behind Rattler and right ahead of Howell, but Howell is still very good. I think Howell will be a fine NFL quarterback. But a lot of it depends on the offensive line. If a kid gets early in their career, the ghosts like Sam Darnold, if you don't protect your quarterback and put weapons around him, that is not a recipe for success and they will fail. Yeah, not all and opportunities are, are the same. You know what I mean? The guys get exactly. that opportunity. I mean, it's it's crazy to see what you know Patrick Mahomes was able in the, in the Super Bowl look like and we've talked about Carson Wentz not getting any any protection and guys in the past that get hit that many times offensive line is huge and that that's a big thing you talked about the hit rates there was that for Debbie or was that for for fantasy? that was for Debbie that was, that was for, for Debbie. Debbie okay yeah. and yep. we've we've hit on you know obviously you said running backs it's a matter of you know five star recruits are super important athleticism and then we get to the wide receivers or i'm sorry i should say size over that 200 pound mark and the wide receivers is about athleticism mung and i were talking backstage about quarterbacks um mung why don't you hit her up with that yeah and you know to your point katie it's almost an exercise in futility right because it seems like quarterbacks just come out of nowhere i mean look at the late round guys like Dak Prescott and even in the last couple of years, you know, drafted highly by the NFL, but guys like Josh Allen and Justin Herbert fell in a lot of super flex drafts. Um, I mean, how much do you take the scheme or the, the offense college in a consideration when you're looking at quarterbacks? Because, you know, we talked earlier that, you know, nobody was on Patrick Mahomes, right? I mean, they talked about him as, you know, kind of an air raid quarterback at Texas tech and, you know, then we've got guys like Marcus Mariota, who really was elevated by the scheme by Chip Kelly over at Oregon. And, you know, how do you kind of measure up the quarterback himself versus that offense in general, even looking at maybe Joe Burrow and that LSU offense? Yeah. So let's use this year's class because I've been doing a lot lately on them. And uh, a guy like Trevor Lawrence, what I look for is, you know, what constitutes arm strength where does that come from just like basketball just like baseball just like any sport it's all about the feet it's all about the hips and the lower body and if your feet and your footwork aren't in the right position your upper body is going to fight against it or not get the power and just like swinging a baseball bat or pitching a baseball you've got to get the lower the bigger muscles of the lower body are going to be the power and the upper body is going to be the accuracy and it will, everything comes, your velocity comes from the, the swinging of the hips and the shoulders coming through. Trevor Lawrence has great footwork, whether he is from the shotgun snap, drop back, whether he's running uh, to his right, whether he's bootlegging and coming back around to his left, he's got excellent footwork. You look for the footwork and are they using all arm? One of my concerns about Zach Wilson, 
He does move around. He's very athletic. He has a strong arm. But a lot of times, too, he tries to get cute, and he's using just his arm. That was what Josh Allen did in college, and that's why he wasn't accurate. Once Josh Allen started getting that lower body working with the upper body, and that took a lot of work because habits are hard to break, good habits and bad habits. If you get into a good habit and you're constantly doing the right thing over and over again, then you will get better. But if you're practicing something the wrong way, you're only going to get better at doing it bad. And that's why kids in Little League, when they're shortstops and they're under throwing, they're throwing the ball underarm uh, over to first, it's working because it's a small baseball diamond. But once you get to the big 90-foot base pass, try to throw the ball accurately and, and consistently over to first. Now you're in a worse habit, and it's hard to break. You're speaking my Play language course. there. Uh, high Play school course. baseball coach for 10 years, and it's like, you know, the more – the hard, the more you practice a certain way, the harder it is to get out of those kind of habits. And and watching that in football translates out to the exact same way. Right. I was a baseball coach. I've coached baseball, basketball, and football for 14 years. And not college and not high level, but little league and high school and, and anywhere in between. But still, it it's translatable. And in the in the season, you're not working on anything other than maintaining your habits. Where you drill and practice and try to get better is in the off season and guys that are willing to work are the guys that will succeed. So that's what I look for. I look for the heart in Debbie. I do try to listen to interviews. I try to figure out what their work ethic. I listen to coaches like Devonta Smith. He's not the biggest dude. Everybody's talking about his BMI, but his coach is like, you know what? The football weighs 13 ounces. Who cares how big he is? He's been in the SEC on Ala freaking Bama, and he's been playing against some of the best cornerbacks that are big guys for the last three years, and he's been dominating. So how can you say he can't play in the NFL? So you you got to look at the guys that have the traits, and then you look at the head. So Zach Wilson, my question mark about him, he has the tools. He's got the frame. Does he have the brain? Because he does some questionable things with the football. BYU Open is different from Miami Dolphins Open or wherever he ends up. And that's that's where people end up. And I'm not perfect. I'm not saying I've got a better scouting eye than anybody else, but I'm just saying that it. it if I know that it's a hard position to shoot the needle, avoid it. Get running backs, take fill up my taxi squad, get the best talent. And then if I got 20 running backs that everybody wants, guess what? Smash accept that trade. <laughs> get that quarterback, get that unsexy quarterback that everybody's throwing around like they're candy. Guys like Ryan Tannehill can still be half for cheap. Absolutely. I love the passion that you bring and the, and the things that you talk about differently. And, you know, I've heard you on Under the Helmet talk about at the Senior Bowl where it's a matter of like the way the guy responds to not catching a pass or the way he runs on and off the field or or those kind of things. This year is going to be a little bit different, you know, obviously being mobile with a with the Senior Bowl, but now not seeing the combine. I mean, are you seeing is that change your process at all here down the stretch? Not really. The combine is more check the box confirmation than anything else. You pretty much know. You pretty much know. The big thing from here until rookie drafts will be where are they drafted in the NFL? Not landing spot because I don't really care. You know, Clyde Edwards Alaire was was driven up the boards because, hey, Kansas City, man, 
I want to talk about Mung's guy. We, uh, we just well, we debated this all all last I, episode. I do not dislike the man, but he was my number five out of the five top. Yep. I wanted DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor were my top two. Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins were my next two, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was number five. But I knew I'd never get him because he was going one or two. And you've got to be patient in rookie drafts rather than try to fit a square peg into a round hole. If you know that you're not going to get a guy, what is the point of trying to trade up when he's at maximum value or close to it? Wait till he has an off season right now. Is Clyde Edwards Alaire cheaper or more expensive than he was last year? Oh, considerably cheaper. Exactly. DeAndre Swift. Is he more expensive or cheaper? Considerably more expensive. You know, Jonathan Taylor, I'm cam makers. I mean, and we, again, we just had an episode on two weeks ago, and it, it basically almost has corrected himself. Where Jonathan Taylor, actually Acres, is going above where Swift is right now in startups. But those four guys have separated themselves above where Clyde Edwards-Helaire was. And you know we can debate that later, Mung. But it's like a matter of you see the talent, and that's where it goes. Um, I have one more question for you, Katie, and I I want you to. This is just kind of a cautionary tale, but I heard you speak about this a couple years ago, where you kind of got cute. And missed out on AJ Brown. Well, I, I in, think one, in one draft. Oh no, no, you. I know you nail it, and AJ Brown's my guy. But like, just a cautionary tale about trying to get your guy, and 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 some of those kind of things, possibly for for some listeners. Yeah. So, I had a in one of my leagues. I loved AJ Brown from Debbie. His early, early film. I think it was 2016 when he was coming in as a freshman. And I liked him better than most all of the other wide receivers. I was getting him later in Debbie drafts because he wasn't the number one guy. But in this one particular rookie draft, because of ADP, which is average draft position, he was going anywhere from 109, 110 or beyond. And I had the 106. And I wanted to move back a few spots, still get A.J. Brown. But I didn't charge the guy near enough that if I didn't get my guy – that I'd still be happy with the trade. And I ended up just totally blowing it. I tried to get a little too cute, try to get a, a little bit too much. But what the my point is, if you really like Trevor Lawrence and somebody wants to trade from the 102 to the 101 to get him, yes, you may like Justin Fields, but get a good piece on top of that. Don't just give him away because I think that Trevor Lawrence is special. Now, does that mean that I don't want to take the discount on Trey Lance? If I, if I have the 108 and I know he's pretty much going to fall there, would I trade up? I think Trey Lance has a huge upside. So I'd probably just be patient and wait and, and get him in, and be fine with that. But if you've got the 101 or whatever your draft pick is, even if you're only trading back one spot, make sure to make it worth your while. If you don't get your guy, that you're still going to be okay. That's that's a great thing there. I mean, I have a lot of people saying I have I really want Justin Fields. I, I think I might take him at the 101, and I'm like, talk to the guy at 102. You know, try to get as much value. Everything's about value when it comes to those rookie drafts. Yeah, you want to make absolutely. sure you're getting the most possible, and not just trying to. That might be your guy, and that's great. But move back one or two spots, go for it, and, and that's what you're going to do. Thanks again for coming on, Katie. We had a blast. I mean, among some of those names probably for, for you as well, you're like, that's somebody I got to look into, you know, and that's why we want to make our, our listeners better dynasty players. In order to do that, we bring on great people like Katie that kind of give you that extra information. So, Katie, thank you so much for coming on. Why don't you tell everybody anything you're working on and, uh, you know, where they can find you? 
Sure. So I am the diva of Debbie. You can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Skylar 399. If you have any, if you want to get into a Debbie league and you've got any questions at all, just say, Hey, can you DM me? You know, I'll follow you so that I can private message and we can talk all the Debbie players that you want. If you're in a draft, I have no problem suggesting a player or two helping you with potential trades really hard sometimes to gauge, you know, would you trade this Debbie for this uh, veteran? It's like, no, but here's here's what I would suggest that you do. Um, I'm on Under the Helmet podcast. Uh, comes out every Wednesday on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. I do some on the premium side, some on the regular weekly show. So you may miss me a week or two, but I'll, I'm always in that rotation. And then on Off the Rails podcast, we record most Fridays, and then it's out. You'll see if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see me retweet the the link and i've also been guest on a lot of of other podcasts uh rookie fever lately i'm very happy to be here and you know just love talking football we loved having you on mung anything else you're working on i know you got some great things going on at fan tracks why don't you close us out here yeah i've been uh you know like you said as katie's been talking i've been uh typing up some notes in my google doc of some of these debbie names that i've never heard of before so i'm definitely gonna look into some of the players that she mentioned, but uh, over at Fantrax, a little more of my wheelhouse. I've been looking at free agents, uh, guys to buy at running back and wide receiver. The wide receiver article just came out and tight ends are going to be coming out later this week. But of course you can follow me on Twitter at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. Thanks again for tuning in guys and enjoy the process.